Well, amen. Well, good morning. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have not been with us, we have been walking through faithfully through 1 Corinthians, and uh, we are going to finish that out. Several of you have already asked. We're getting near the end. Um, you would be correct if you're looking at chapter numbers. Uh, maybe not so much in terms of verses and what we hope to cover. So we got a little more time. You've already been asking, where do we go from here? Uh, my answer to that is let's faithfully finish the here and now where the Lord has us. And then we will talk about where we go from there. But we find ourselves this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I do want to thank Forrest for leading us in worship today. Um, I'm thankful that he has already covered point number one. So we will move on uh, to point number two. And uh, no, I'm kidding. We'll come back to that, I promise. But uh, anyway, thankful for you, Forrest. Thankful uh, for your leadership this morning and uh, just seeing you lead. So we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul continuing in his message on spiritual gifts. And as a reminder of last week, uh, we saw uh, Paul open this chapter, or what we know as this chapter, is Paul's reminder to the Corinthian Christians that we must recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we only looked at the first three verses last week, and we talked about the Lordship of Christ. And we even said that regardless of what we think and believe and feel, Jesus Christ is Lord no matter what it is that we think. And so the question that we were faced with last week is, do we truly believe that Jesus is Lord? So this morning, we are now going to move into our next section of verses, and we're going to see this morning how God has given us, as believers in Christ, gifts, and we're going to see how, as believers in Christ, recognizing the Lordship of Christ, how we are now supposed to use those gifts for His glory. Now, this is a very important topic for us this morning, because the reality is people always come in to churches and they ask the question, what gift have I been given? Which really is a, a, a very normal way and a very Christian way of asking the question of what am I supposed to do with my life? Or better yet, what am I supposed to be doing in terms of the life of the church and where it is that, that God has called me to serve? Some of us in this room in recent weeks coming into the new year have even asked the question, where am I supposed to serve? And with what gift do I have in order to serve the local church? And so for Paul and for the Corinthian Christians, he knew that in grace they now possessed spiritual gifts. Now, before we jump too far into this text, I want us to understand that, that what Paul is seeking to do in 1 Corinthians 12 is to help the Corinthian Christians understand what they are to do in light of the gifts that they have been given. So this is a broad stroke kind of thing. So if you came in this morning reading ahead thinking, good news, the pastor is going to give us a 20-page questionnaire in order to figure out what our gifts are, and then we're going to go out and faithfully serve. Today is not your day. That's not happening. However, if you would like a spiritual gifts inventory then let me encourage you to Google them. There are only 150 to choose from. So pick which one suits you, and then we will talk about it from there. However, when we look at the text this morning, I think what Paul is attempting to cover is what do we do with the gifts that we've been given in light of the Lordship of Christ? What do we do with those gifts in light of who Christ is, but then also how, or better yet, where, should we be seeking to use those gifts? So Paul is going to seek to answer those questions as we look at our text this morning. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to join with me. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we are begin, we're going to begin reading in verse 4. And if you have found yourself in the Word of God, and you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. 
Now again, this is Paul writing, inspired by the Spirit of God to the Corinthian Christians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, he writes, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. Now, as we said a week ago, Paul had clearly received word about what was happening with the Corinthian Christians, whether it came in person or whether it came in the form of a letter, and they were seeking to ask the question, or perhaps even debating, what they were now to do with their spiritual gifts. And so Paul began to answer this question in hopes of encouraging the church. Now, again, Paul is responding to this issue because he wants to make sure that the church first understands that Jesus Christ is Lord. We already saw that in the first three verses. And then Paul also wants the church to understand that with these spiritual gifts, in light of the gifts, it is still Jesus Christ alone who has all authority. So what we see in our text this morning is Paul's going to move on to the subject of spiritual gifts. And in the text, he's going to want the church to understand several subjects at hand. The first being this. He wants the Corinthian Christians to understand that it is the Spirit who is at work when we confess that Jesus is Lord, and it's the same Spirit who is at work when we use our gifts. At the same time, Paul wants the Corinthian Christians to understand that a variety of gifts have now been given to the church, but those gifts do not reflect our own maturity. In other words, we do not receive these gifts according to the human will, but rather the gifts reveal more about who God is and how God is at work, since again, He is the giver of the gifts. We then see that the gifts that have been given by God are ultimately meant to point us to the beauty of the differences that exist within the body. And yet, at the same time, it's those same gifts given by the same Spirit that should ultimately unite us as a church. You see, these are the points that Paul is hoping to address within the Corinthian Christians. So, with that being said, let's look back at our text this morning and see what Paul wants us to know about spiritual gifts. And there's three points that I have for you this morning. Point number one, found in verses four through seven. Paul wants us today to understand, along with the Corinthian Christians, that God is the giver of all spiritual gifts. 
Now, before we jump into this text, I want us to understand that Paul is now drawing us back to who is in charge of giving the gifts. This is what we talked about a week ago. But what I want you to keep in mind as we walk through this text today is the repetition that Paul constantly uses in order to help us understand the meaning, the purpose, and the value behind these spiritual gifts. So let's look again at verses 4 through 6. Paul says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now I want us to notice what Paul does right out of the gate. Notice how he gives us a Trinitarian view that we now see as the Lord is working through those gifts. Notice how he gives us each activity, but then concludes by either saying the phrase, same Spirit same Lord, or same God. Notice now that Paul is not only acknowledging the work and the power of the Trinity, but he's now pointing the church to the unity that exists within the Trinity itself. You see, Paul is literally saying to the church this morning, just as the Trinity is united, just as we serve the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, we too, as those in the body should be united as the body itself under the authority of the triune God. We then go on to read that there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now again, Paul here is speaking to the beauty of the diversity that exists within the church in terms of what it is that we are individually called to do as we consider serving the local church. But at the same time, Paul is again revealing the unity that should exist among the body because the giver of the gifts is one. In other words, Paul is seeing and understanding that yet again, here is another issue where the Corinthian Christians are now divided. And so Paul says to them, no, Your gifts may be unique, your gifts may be different, your gifts may be suited for you, but those gifts are given by the same giver. And just as God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son and the Holy Spirit are united as one, so too you, the church, are to be one as well. Paul continues in verse 5, and he tells us that there are varieties of service, meaning this. There are varieties of ministries where we can now serve. Notice that Paul was teaching the church, uh, teaching that the church is now given gifts for the purpose of serving one another. We have been given gifts for the purpose of strengthening the church. And this service is not done for us seeking after our own praise or for us seeking after our own honor. Rather, we do what we do. We serve the way we serve so that the one who gave the gifts is the one who is now being praised. In other words, the giver of the gifts did not give us gifts so that we could make a name for ourselves. The only name that matters in the church is the name of Jesus. Paul continues there in verse 6 and he says this, There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now again, I want us to notice the word activities here. Because that word literally translates into the word work. In other words, Paul is now pointing the church and us today 
to the truth that even in our work, it is the Lord who blesses the work. It is the Lord who gives the work. And it is the Lord who is still at work in the work. Now again, I understand, I probably just used the word work way more times than you want to hear today. Most of you are here today and you work for a living. And on a Sunday when you come to worship, the last thing you want to hear is the word work. So let me encourage you for a moment. Work, 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 work. Maybe to simplify Paul's statement a little bit, we could say it this way. When believers use the gifts that have been given to them by God, who is the giver of all gifts, then we need to recognize that the same giver of those gifts, our God, is the same God who activates and energizes the people for the work that they are doing. Let me unpack that a little bit further. Spiritual gifts that have been given to us by the giver is what allows a biblical church to say, God is at work in this place. You see, God is at work when believers are faithfully using the gifts that have been given to them for the purpose of glorifying God in the place that He now has them. So if you're here today and you're faithfully serving the church, let me encourage you, God is at work through you. If you are here today and you have faithfully taught whether it was here in adult discipleship or you taught next door with our students or maybe you found yourself in one of the greatest classes ever on the first floor of the education building wondering if sanctification is a real thing only to find out it is. God is at work through your teaching. At the same time, if you're here today and and maybe at the end of the service you're going to stick around and help us reset this place and help us clean and you think, Why on earth am I doing this? I I have to clean at my home, and now I've got to clean here at the church. Why am I wiping down the sink? Why am I restocking paper towels? Then let me say to you, according to the words of Paul, since God is the giver of the gifts, then through the cleaning, it is God who is still at work through you. You find yourself sharing the gospel. Guess who's at work there? It's the Lord. You find yourself opening up your home for a gospel community or teaching in a gospel community or being faithfully a part of a gospel community, then let me encourage you and say to you, God is at work through you. You see, Paul is literally saying in these first verses, verse 4 through 6, don't become so hung up on what you think you are doing when the reality is God deserves all the praise. Because it is God who is the one who has given the gifts needed for you to do the work. Therefore, it is the Lord who is now working through you. So in the midst of our serving, in the midst of our sharing, let's not forget the one who is working through each and every moment of our life. It is the Lord. Now again, I don't know what has happened to you this week. I don't even know where you're coming from. But I want you to understand this, that when Paul says these words, these words were actually meant to be an encouragement to the church so that we can look around and see what it is that the Lord is doing. Why? Because it's the Lord who is still at work in this place as we continue to serve Him. 
Even as we worship together and we were so faithfully led by Forrest this morning, it was the Lord who was at work in this place as we worship Him in our discipleship, whether it happened this morning or even in our homes or part of our family discipleship. It is the Lord who is at work through our discipleship and our teaching. Even right now in this moment as we seek to unpack this Word, it is the Lord who is at work in our midst. So I say all that to say this, brothers and sisters in Christ, Be encouraged today. Because the reality is this. God is not done with his people. God is not done with his church. In fact, I love what Martin Lloyd Jones says about this point. The good doctor says it this way. He says, the church will continue because she is the church of God. And because he will sustain her until her work is completed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, whether we're part of a church of 80 or 800, we should be praising the Lord because it's the Lord whose hand is at work in our midst. To God be the glory for the fact that he is at work. In fact, we come back into our text and Paul picks up on this point even further in verse 7. He says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, again, I want us to pick up on a verb phrase that Paul uses, not only here, but later in our verses, and that's the verb phrase, is given. This is actually a passive verb that's being used here in order to teach that what it is that we have been given are just gifts. It's literally just a gift. It's not, it's not something to, to brag about. It's not something to make much about. Rather, what Paul is, again, doing through repetition is he's reminding the Corinthian Christians that what matters is not the gift itself, But what matters is the one who gave the gifts. Again, reminding the Corinthian Christians and us today that spiritual gifts are not a product of the human will, but rather they are a product of the goodness of God. You see, in this word of encouragement, we not only see this passive verb, but take it one step back, you see another word. It says, each is given which means that all of us as believers in Christ have been given gifts for the purpose of serving Christ. You see, as a believer, you may not know what your gifting is today. You may not even understand it. Again, that's probably a conversation that we need to have later, but I don't think we have the time today to unpack a 20-page questionnaire and define every possible gift. However, what I want to encourage you with and what you can rest in today is this. You can rest in knowing that God has you here for a reason. God has you here for a purpose. God has given you a gift. And thus, it is the Lord who is still working through your life. So if you've come in today as a believer thinking the Lord has abandoned you, the answer is this. No, He is not. He is still working through you. In fact, Paul closes by reminding the Corinthian Christians in this passage that these gifts are given by the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, our gifts are not meant to show off the individual, but rather they are meant to point us back to the Lord, back to the fact that the Lord is with us, back to the fact that the Lord is working through us for the common good, which leads us to our next two points. The second one being this, verses 8 through 10. We not only see that God is the giver of these gifts, But we then see that the spiritual gifts are meant to edify. You see, these verses now 
contain a list of spiritual gifts, but this list is not exhaustive by any means. In fact, Paul's going to jump back into a list of spiritual gifts as we keep reading a little bit later in even when we get to chapter 14. But I want us to pay attention again to the wording that Paul gives us. Notice again we have the phrase or the verb phrase is given, ultimately reminding us again that these gifts come from the Lord. Now what's going to happen next is we're going to see a list of spiritual gifts and these gifts are mentioned, and we're going to walk through them, but we're going to kind of broad stroke them a little bit, if you will, um, while others would probably take more time on these gifts and, and focus on the words and what they actually mean. And the reality is, I think, God, I think Paul, in, in writing this by the Spirit of God, had something else in mind. He had a bigger picture in mind, and that was this, that our spiritual gifts were meant to edify the church. They were meant to instruct us. They were meant to encourage us. They were meant to lift one another up. So let's just go ahead and jump into this. Verse 8. He says, some were given the utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge. Now, again, throughout the Bible, wisdom and knowledge itself has been seen as two distinct and different items. In fact, knowledge defined is facts, skills, information acquired by experience or education. Wisdom defined is having experience that ultimately leads to good judgment. So one word is more the acquisition of facts. The other is the experience to make good decisions based upon the acquisition of facts. Now, although these two words are, are very distinct words, Paul's actually using them in the original language to, to conjoin them together, to see how they actually work together. So if we were to define what spiritual gift that Paul is talking about here, when he's talking about wisdom and knowledge, he's actually talking about the gift of teaching. Now, obviously, Paul doesn't mention teaching here as a main gift, but he does point to teaching later in our chapter, uh, in chapter 12 and chapter 14, but he also references it again in Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4, and he then goes even further in a very personal letter to Timothy and Titus, and he talks to them about the gift of teaching. Now again, we know this to be true, that these words are conjoined together, because Paul has already used the word wisdom before. In fact, if you go back in chapter 1, you'll see that when Paul references wisdom, the same word that we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the wisdom he's talking about is the proclamation of the message of the cross. So just follow Paul's thoughts for a moment. When Paul talks about wisdom and knowledge here, he's talking about the declaration of the good news of the gospel. He's talking about the gift of teaching that leads to the message of the cross. And he says that some have been gifted with this understanding, i.e. the ability to teach the good news of the gospel. From there we get into verse 9, and he says, and to another, faith. Now again, when we talk about faith here, we're not talking about a saving faith. This is not a faith that's directly related to salvation because what Paul is talking to, better yet who he's talking to, are those who are already believers in Christ. So when he speaks of faith here, he's thinking more of the faith that we talk about in 1 Corinthians 13, which is a faith that leads us to the ability to move mountains. This is the type of faith in James 5 where prayers are offered in faith. In other words, Paul says to the church, there are people in the church who have been given the gift of faith, meaning that no matter what situation comes their way, they know how to point people back to Jesus. And you may think, well, all Christians know how to do that. Do we? 
I'm going to go ahead and tell you, some of us have had some bad days. And often we want to look around and what's the first question we ask? Where is the Lord in this moment? And Paul says here that there are some of us who have been anchored with knowing that no matter what we are faced with, we can have faith in what the Lord is doing. And those people are needed in the church to encourage others because I imagine that not all of you walked in today thinking this weekend has been awesome. This week has been the greatest week ever. This past week was the most wonderful week ever. I have seen Jesus at work. And just to make it better, all of my football teams won this weekend. I know that's not true. However, we are people. And in the midst of our struggles and heartaches, I imagine that there are some of us who've walked in this room and we're here today going, Lord, I just want to see a glimpse of you. And so what Paul is acknowledging here in verse 9 is that there are people around you who have that ability to remind you and encourage you about the goodness and the grace of God. They are here to encourage you and remind you to stay in the faith. Keep the faith because the Lord is still at work. And guess what? We need those reminders. In fact, I'm, I'm almost convinced that if we go back and study the book of Job, we look at Job's friends who often get a bad rap. I honestly believe that if Job's friends would have just walked up and said to him, hey, Job, we know what you're going through hurts. We know what you've gone through stings. And we're here to weep with you. We're here to pray with you. But one thing we are going to do for certain is remind you about the goodness of God. We're going to remind you of the hope that you have. We're not going to beat you with it. We're not going to look at you like they did and say, hey, the reason why you're going through all this nonsense is because you lost faith. No, they're not doing that. They constantly point people to the faith and maintaining it. We move off from there in a text and it says, into another gifts of healing. Now, this particular gift of healing would actually mean the ability and the gift to be able to help people recover from sickness, recover from disease or other such infirmities. Some people take this gift at this moment and take it a little too far and saying that it means that we should lay hands on people and be, be willing to yell at them, be healed, like we see on TBN. But that's not what the Lord is talking about here. He's talking about the people who've been gifted with the skill set, the passion, and the desire to be able to help others. We continue on from verse 10, and this is where it gets interesting because we get into one verse that gives us five gifts that are mentioned, and these are some of the most controversial gifts that, that have ever been recorded. In fact, there are churches around us that have taken these gifts a bit too far, in my personal opinion. The first one we see is the working of miracles which some have believed that this is where we can walk around and exercise the demons. And they would fall. But again, if you look back in the original language, this gift of miracles actually ties to the word healing. Just as wisdom and knowledge tie together and overlap in the language, so too at this point does healing and miracles overlap itself as well. Reminding us that healing is a miracle in and of itself. It is amazing. I mean, think about this for a minute. It is amazing. My nurse is in the room. Isn't it amazing what the human body can do? I mean, you guys know way more about it than I do, but I'm blown away by it. I'm blown away by how God in His wisdom created and wove together intricate 
bodies that ultimately can find ways on its own to heal? I mean, sometimes it needs a little help. Praise God that we have hospitals. Praise God that we have doctors. Praise God that we have nurses. Praise God that he has revealed knowledge to us. But at the same time, it's, it's just marvelous. I mean, even just getting over the common cold. Just think about it. I don't know how the common cold treats you, but in my house, the common cold just doesn't work. My kids, my wife get the common cold. Boom, they're over it. I get the common cold. I'm in bed for four days. Man cold is what they call it. And then by God's grace, no, nothing, just the body heals. How does it happen? Some of y'all probably have a great medical reason for that. I don't know. I just trust the Lord for what he's doing. We move on from there. And we see the phrase to another prophecy. Now, in speaking of prophecy, Paul's probably referencing uh, the ability to communicate the revelation of God. Now, this actually would be an example of what some have called spontaneous utterance, like what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, or better yet, Acts chapter 11, when we read the story of Agabus that's found there. So you see in this moment, it is actually very possible uh, that the prophecies that are spoken of or seen right here in the New Testament are similar to the prophecies that we saw in the Old Testament. However, I want us to understand that these prophecies of the New Testament were spoken under the authority of God, which meant the people speaking them were humbly making less of themselves and rather making more of God, which is not what we see to those who claim to have the ability to prophesy today. At the same time, the prophets of old were proclaiming the goodness of God's Word and the goodness of the nature and the character and the attributes of God in conjunction with the Word of God. And the reality is the modern-day prophets, and I use that term loosely, the, the same cannot be said of them because they make silly claims with no scriptural basis or backing. So I say all that to say this to you. If you hear someone that comes to you and says, I have a word directly for you from God, let me encourage you to say, okay, but before you speak, let me get my Bible. Why is that? Because there are many people today who claim to be Christians, who claim to be speaking as a prophet of God, and yet what they speak of is actually opposite of what this book teaches. And so we have to be careful here. Paul goes on from there and he says, there are some who've been given the ability to distinguish between the spirits. Now, this is a person that I think everybody needs to have in their friend group. This is the person who has the ability to discern that which is true and that which is false. So this is the person that has the gift of discernment. And I'm thankful for, for these particular people because that is not a skill set that I often possess. And so it's good to have someone who can look at a situation, look at what's happening and say, this may be true, this may be false, and to be able to walk you through that. I'll move on. Paul continues and says there's, there's various kinds of tongues. Now no, Paul in this moment is not saying or talking about the gibberish that some people claim to be able to speak in worship. That's not what he's saying here. Rather, in worship, this word translates literally into languages. So here's what Paul is saying. There are some among you who have the ability to translate languages of others as they come so that we can, can all understand what it is that's being said in this moment. Now, you may be thinking, Pastor, that's a very loose definition, is it? Think about the context of Corinth. Tell me what you know about Corinth. Corinth was a major city. It was a major city on a hill next to water. So guess what was happening? Yeah, trade was happening. 
Stuff was coming in, stuff was going out, and it was coming from the far reaches of the world. In fact, it was often argued that in Corinth's day, every good that came through, whether it was coming through Western Europe, going to Eastern, Eastern Asia, it had to stop in Corinth at some point. So naturally, there'd be people there speaking languages. And so Paul says some people have been given the gift to be able to interpret. And therefore, we can hear and understand what they're asking and what it is that they're saying. There are some, even in our midst, who've been given that gift, who, who in times where people come in, they may not be able to speak English, they speak Spanish. So praise be to God, we have several people who can help interpret that. That is the gift that Paul is talking about here. It's the ability to learn and speak a language so that all people may understand. But again, before we get lost in each of these gifts and what they mean, I want us to understand why Paul is even mentioning these gifts in the first place. He says that we have these gifts, and what we have in these gifts, we have so that we can edify the church. So we can encourage one another. So that we can instruct one another. So that no one person has one gift, and now everybody has the one gift. We do it for the purpose of edification. So that some can preach, some can teach, some can discern, some can speak languages. And that all these gifts are brought together in one place for the glory of God and for the good of the church. So that the church continue to, can continue to grow and meet people right where they are. Now you may be thinking, where do we get this from? Paul is literally taking the Corinthian Christians back to what he's already said to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 22 and 23, when he says, And I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. And so church, I've got to ask you something. Is that, is that our goal? With the gifts that the Lord has given us, with the, with the gifts that the Lord has blessed us with, is it our goal to use those gifts for the gospel? Is it our goal so that, so that more would know, so that more could share in the blessing of the goodness of Jesus Christ? You see, God, as the giver of the gifts, gave us gifts not for us to be selfish, but rather he gave us gifts so that we could encourage one another, instruct one another, edify one another for the good of the church as the church continues to grow. So again, the question we have to ask ourselves is this, how are you using the gifts that God has given you to further the growth within the life of the church that the Lord has called you to. But here's the thing, Paul's not done there. We get to verses 11 through 13. We see that not only is God the giver of gifts and that God gave us spiritual gifts that were meant to edify, but this final point, Paul teaches us that God gave us these spiritual gifts which are now meant to unify. Notice how Paul opens this section by reminding the church as to why we even have gifts. Verse 11, he says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Again, pay attention to the repetition. 
Paul started with the Lordship of Christ, said that because of the authority of Christ, God is now the giver of the gifts. And now we see he brings us back full circle and says that you have these things, you are empowered by them because of the Spirit of God and the Lordship of who he is. You see, Paul literally says, you don't have these gifts because of your own wisdom. You don't have gifts because of your own ability or, again, because of your own maturity. But rather, you have them because of the sovereignty of God at work in your life. So again, Paul here is seeking to humble the Corinthian Christians by reminding them that they have no basis for boasting except in the one who has done the work. The one who has given us gifts to work for him. And to make his point even further, Paul's now going to turn his attention to how these gifts unify the church by comparing them to the body. He says in verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Now what we're going to see in verse 12, 13, is going to kind of tie us in uh, to where we're going to be, uh, where we're going to be next week as we get into verse 14 as well. But what I want us to see this morning is this. Notice how Paul speaks to the beauty of the diversity of the body. He speaks of the beauty of the oneness that we now share as a body. Now here's the truth. The variety that exists in the body, though beautiful, must not cancel out or cause us to forget the unity that we are now called to share. In other words, if you were a part of your gospel community this past week, you probably read chapter 1 where you should have seen how what truly draws the body together is the gospel. What brings us together is the gospel alone. It's not a gospel plus community. Though we are at different moments in life, at different moments in our, in our families, in our work, in our careers, as a church, we should be able to enjoy what unifies us, what brings us together, and that is the gospel itself. And then Paul closes this verse by saying, and so it is with Christ. Again, reminding the church that we are not just part of anybody, we are a part of the body of Christ. And because of the work of Christ, we are now united in Him. And then just to make the point even further, he's going to double down and speak specifically to what's been dividing the Corinthian Christians. Verse 13, he says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, I don't know if you're taking notes this morning or if you underline or circle or highlight in your Bible. The word I would pay attention to here is the word one. Notice how Paul reminds the church and us today that we are all one. He says we are united because we've all been covered by the water. We are all united today because we come to the table to be reminded of what it is that Christ has done. And because of these things, we now know that we are one in Christ. We are one family, one church with a diverse grouping of gifts, but we are still together as one. Church family, I don't want us to miss this today. I don't want us to miss the fact that we are called to be together as one. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you see that the gifts that the Lord has given you, whatever they may be, do you see that they were meant to unify the body? 
Do you see that, that being a part of a local church means that you are committed to the church and thus you are committed to the care of the unity of the body? Do you see that your gifts that you were given by the Lord not only should encourage you because it's, it's the Lord at work in you, but do you see that, that the reality is giving these gifts, using these gifts, our call is to make much of His name, not our own name, and ultimately use them to unify the body? You see, these gifts were given to the body of believers. Some have dubbed that the universal church. But Paul says these gifts were meant to be used through the local church so that the body could be unified both locally and universally. And so I asked the question this morning, how are you using your God-given gifts to unify the church? Are you using your God-given gifts to unify the church? Let's go back a step. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want us to look and see how the work of the Lord through the Spirit of God takes center stage in this passage. Too often times, we get lost in the gifts themselves and we forget who alone has authority. Too often, we get lost in our own abilities and our own talents and we fail to see the one who is at work in us. And the one who has given us these gifts is the same one who gave them to us for the purpose of edification within the church and unification within the church. And so I want to ask you this morning, how are you lifting one another up? How are you encouraging one another? Because here's the reality. That is the call of the believer, regardless of what your gifting may be. You see, I think once we realize that the gifts that we have been given by the Father have been given to us by His grace, we can now begin to realize that what's really happening in our lives is the Lord is working in us and through us, and He's doing so so that we can continue to see His grace upon the body, which is the church. I love what uh, Athanasius says about this point, and so I'll close with this. He says, the gifts which the Spirit divides to each are bestowed from the Father through the Word. For all things that are of the Father are of the Son also. Therefore, those things which are given from the Son in the Spirit are gifts of the Father. And when the Spirit is in us, the Word also who gives the Spirit is in us and in the Word is the Father. And maybe that was a lot. Clearly it was for a child. I get it. I felt the same way after I read this quote. I didn't understand it. So let me unpack it for you. Here's what Athanasius is simply saying. Praise God in whom all blessings flow. Praise God that in His sovereignty, He has given us gifts from the Spirit and those gifts were meant to, use, or meant to be used for the glory of God and for the good of the church. Praise God that knowing we have gifts, we can rest in the assurance of knowing that the Lord is still at work in us and through us and has called us to edify and unify the church. Praise God that He has given us spiritual gifts.
To God be the glory for what he is doing. Let's pray together.